Welcome to Off The Bench with Scott Sattler and Jason Matthews, the show that covers all things NRL. Hello and uh, welcome to another edition of Off The Bench here. Jason Matthews here as we look back at the big interviews of the week on Sports Day. Also saw the return of Gary Belcher on Wednesday night from his holiday OS. Uh, on today's show, Barat Sundarazen would join us Uh he came on and wrapped up that amazing game of cricket, probably the greatest game of cricket you've ever seen in India and Pakistan. We'll have Bharat. Uh, Lee Holdsworth joined us ahead of the GC500, which is taking place this weekend on the Gold Coast. Ian Healy will join us as well. And, of course, our mates from SEN and Sydney, Joel and Fletch. But let's kick off today's show. We crossed over to the UK where the Rugby League World Cup uh, is happening right now. And the man, well, you probably know him as one of the journos from Rugby League Week. Friend of the show, Steve Mascord. Steve Mascord, are you there? I am here. Hey. I am here. Greetings from Warrington. <laughs> How are you? Oh, we're Good, great. Mate. We're great, Masco. And we love, uh, or been loving following your um, your Twitter reports around the, the Rugby League World Cup. And how's it been over there? Has it getting, is it getting much traction in the, in the media and with the locals? Yeah, well, the big thing is that it's on the um, free-to-air. So every time you turn on the TV, one of the BBC channels, uh, particularly in the evening during the week and on the in the afternoon and weekend, it's there. So oh, wow. I think as far as expo- as far as exposure goes, it's it's massive. Um, uh, you know, obviously people are looking at the uh, the, the empty seats and 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 uh, in the north of England and uh, wondering why. Um, and that's I guess down to the ticket. Well, basically, it's down to the pricing structure of the tickets from two years ago, isn't it? Which was before, you know, there was this cost of living uh, crisis, and um, and also they wanted to go into bigger stadia. So the minimum um, the minimum size stadia is nine thousand five hundred capacity, up to you know, obviously fifty two thousand up in uh, up in Newcastle and, and down at the Emirates and stuff like that. And then I think they just didn't want people who bought tickets two years ago at a premium, having someone sitting next to them who um, who got it for half price. And um, so as a result, um, you know, some people who hung around to the last minute expecting them to be discounted have been disappointed and angry that they haven't got in cheap at the last minute. So uh, that's the decision they made, I guess. What, what happened to the old days, Steve, on, on tours when they were paying, you know, a couple of pounds to get into games and they were chockers, chocker block full of fans, you'd probably rather see that. I guess we all would, wouldn't we? No, nah, not really, Badge, because this has got to fund the international game until the next World Cup. So um, they have given, they have guaranteed the International Federation twice as much as any previous World Cup. And for me, looking at, you know, the Greeks play and the Jamaicans play, and then we're going to have, um, you know, the, 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 the Canadians in the women's game and the Brazilians, I'd rather see more money go to them and some empty seats here, I'll be honest. No, that's, that's the way I feel about it. Now, the minnows. We've been uh, reading a lot of reports, especially in Australia here. People are a little bit sick of the blowout scores. It doesn't bother me, Masco, and I've been reading with interest uh, your opinion about the minnow countries. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's, it's great for the game globally. Well, if we, in, in, uh, I think the people who follow soccer football who are listening, um, I don't think they think the, uh, Australia making the World Cup is a waste of time if they don't get it out of the group stages. Or, and certainly uh, people who follow other countries uh, in other World Cups where they get flogged um, don't think that they should be left out of the World Cup or shouldn't bother going. It's a waste of time. So I think, uh, what, you know, I think Australian fans are used to rugby league being top dog and they get a little bit insecure when rugby league is not 
you know, uh, top dog, and where and where games, um, you know, uh, games are not as even, and there's big blowouts, and uh, this is part of, I guess, rugby league kind of um, um, growing up a little bit and joining the top table of sports, where we do don't have these super pools in our World Cup with three or four good teams, uh, and where um, you know England and England and Australia, England New Zealand, Tonga, um, you know uh, England, those games don't happen till late in the in the tournament now. In previous, our previous World Cups, we could, we had to rig the draw so that we could get crowds. So we had to have England play Australia first up to get a decent crowd. Um, and this time we've decided to do it the way the grown-ups do it. Um, and that means we've got some big scores. But guess what? Samoa drew 42,000 people in England. I mean, can you believe that? So that was a, that's a brand that never previously existed in this country. Ne- has never done a tour here and drew 42,000 people. England versus France, they've been playing since, what, 1935. They had the biggest ever crowd in this uh, tournament. Um, right. so, we, so we've actually created some brands that had no commercial value at all in this market and now do. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the risk they've taken to do it that way has, has paid off. Now, on the field, we saw England um, absolutely lap Samoa. Are they a bit of a smoky, do you think, Masco? Yeah, well, if you if you had to live here, mate, you wouldn't be thinking of calling him a smoky. You'd be sick of hearing of him. So, uh, um, yeah, I mean, people here think that uh, they're going to win the World Cup, you know. So, uh, and all, and there's a huge vibe around it. So much so, you know, like people are talking about. People will go and watch them play Greece in uh, Sheffield on the weekend in their thousands and thousands because there's just such a vibe around about England and this belief that they can win the World Cup. So, I don't think they're a smoky. I think they're a genuine contender. Uh, the question mark. The question mark is about the, the the countries that we talked about as contenders before, the Tonga, Samoa, and whether they are really you know on the same um, level as Australia, New Zealand, and England. Um, and they haven't. They certainly haven't proven yet that they are. And as Samoa kind of dusted off the cobwebs and ran up a big score against Greece, but we don't really know yet what um, that you know, what, what the impact of that is or how, how much to read into that. So I would say England are genuine uh, contenders uh, and I'd say that Samoa and Tonga have got a fair bit to prove so far. And the other big one, I think, from from my point of view, and I haven't watched a lot of it, Steve, I've been away, uh, the team that I really want to see go well is Papua New Guinea. Are they are they looking the goods? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, they, were, I, they played here in... Um, Tonight in um, last night, sorry, in uh, I've been to twelve games, mate. I forgot where I am. What day <laughs> it is. But uh, but um, but they they played they played uh, here last night against Cook Island, and uh, they they didn't have it all their own way. But in the end, in the end, they're pretty comfortable, um, pretty comfortable winners. Um, and and they certainly look, at, you know, they look as good as as Tonga Samoa. Now that doesn't mean they're contenders uh, to win the competition. Uh, but but they seem to have a really good in sort of internal theme about you know Kumul's on the rise and showing people that uh, there should be more Papuans playing in Super League and the NRL and that um, and that they're they're improving so they're definitely uh, on the on the rise and you know I walked in, I, I I've got to say the one thing the one thing that's going to twelve games or whatever does for you guys is it keeps you out of the pub because uh, you're just always <laughs> going from one town to the next. And there's no game tomorrow, so I went in the pub last night uh, over the road, and I was actually just finishing uploading a video. That's the truth. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and there was a guy. There was there was two guys uh, who who seemed like Toulouse fans talking to 
a Papuan guy in the pub, and uh, it turns out one of the uh, guys who seemed to be a Toulouse fan is actually it was actually from Hamburg. He was from Germany, um, and I was just thinking, you know, this is so unlike the kind of stereotype of uh, that we have of, of rugby league, and and you know, if we keep at, and, and, and events like this, sure, there was uh, only three of them, but you know, if, if the next one there'll be six, and the next one there'll be twelve, and you know, so. Um, and and, the th- and I think we've got to remember that, that we didn't have a World Cup before 1995, and then we only had 10 teams. Um, and and if we if we decide that we're only going to have eight now, then there'll never be uh, an extra an extra Frenchman and an extra Papuan in that pub. And eventually, after we're all dead, there'll be there'll be 100 and 200. And uh, I think the people running the sport have to keep that in mind and, and stay on track and and, and realise that the criticism is, is mainly just there to to get engagement and to and to and to get clicks. Great well, point. Um, Mm. Mm. Steve Mascord, thanks for your time this morning. I know it's early over there, mate. What is it, 9.30 in the morning? You're up early, so we appreciate that. It doesn't matter. I know. No, no, but, mate, it's only the second day since it started with no matches, so wouldn't you stay in bed an extra hour? Absolutely. (laughs) Mate, I was surprised I got a text back from you. Don't you worry about that. Hey, how's your, before (laughs) before we let you go, how's your, your book, Two Tribes, the book about rugby league's divided year? How's that going? Yeah, without without it just sounding like a fake segue, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the reason the reason I'm glad the reason I'm glad you asked is that I'm coming back uh, in in December, and my plan is to go to every single location that had a team in 1997. That's 22 uh, clubs, including like you know Auckland and Perth and Adelaide, and um, and do a little launch. And um, if you've read the book, you'll you'll know that on the eight, on the 18th of December 1997. Ian Frickberg and uh, Neil Whitaker went to a certain Chinese restaurant on the North Shore in Sydney and they shook hands on the NRL the night before all the clubs met. And you have to read the book to find out what the restaurant is. But I'm gonna go, we're going to go back there nice. on the 18th of December this year and celebrate the 25th anniversary of the NRL's formation. And um, all the listeners and readers are invited, but... Um, not necessarily all of them, because I haven't told, I haven't even made a reservation. <laughs> the That's a great idea. But, well uh, done. But yeah, well done. Yeah, so so I'm going to come around and uh, we're going to we're going to celebrate 25 years of NRL all all over the country uh, in December and January and maybe into February. Look us up when you come to the Gold Coast. Definitely, definitely. We'll have a, have one of those beers. Yeah. All right, Masco. Great to hear from you, mates. Thanks for your time this morning. And, yeah, when you get back, uh, we'll catch up and we'll give the book another push for you. Steve Mascord, live from the UK. Thanks, mate. See you guys. Bye. This is Off the Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. He was in the commentary box last night for that brilliant game at the MCG with 90,000 people in attendance. It's been labelled as the greatest cricket game uh, ever seen at the MCG. Barrett joins us now. G'day, Barrett. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm all right, guys. Uh, I have a funny story for you. So I've just landed in Perth and the Pakistan team was on my on my flight from Melbourne. Uh, so the issue is all their and luggage came through. As you know, that's how it works when a cricket team's on a flight. But for a lot of others, including me, our luggage has been left behind in Melbourne. So all I'll say is Pakistan have lost a few fans for themselves in Perth. A lot of people <laughs> are very angry right now at the airport. Uh, hey, uh, how, did, uh, how did you find the MCG last night and the atmosphere, Barrett? Was it, um, 
Was it as passionate as what we saw on the screens? Um, you know, there were so many times uh, last night where I had to keep pinch myself and remind me that I'm in Melbourne, you know, and uh, even on air that I should continue speaking in English. <laughs> well, because honestly, there were times I felt like I had been transported back at different points. At times it felt like Mumbai when India were doing well, that early wickets fell. Then I was transported to Lahore when Pakistan started hitting those sixes. Then back to Bangalore when India, like, you know, took those wickets uh, towards the end. Uh, but yeah, but as as the game you know, came to that dramatic finish. I think we were all transported back to the MCG. It just smelled, felt, and sounded very different. Uh, but, you know, the greatest spectacle I think the MCG has ever seen and one of the greatest cricket matches ever played in the history of the game. Wow, that's amazing. It was so great to watch. It was spine-tingling at moments. And I only read this today, Barrett, that the two nations have been stopped from playing each other at home and they only face off in World Cups or Asia Cups, such as the rivalry both on and off the field. Where do you think this ranks in, in world sport, the rivalry between Pakistan and India? Uh, it, it's very different. Like you said, they can't play each other in bilaterals because of political tensions and, uh, you know, lots of other factors. There have been, um, you know, cross-border issues over Kashmir for years, ever since India and Pakistan got their independence 70 years ago. Uh, and in recent times, you know, the governments that are in power in both countries as well haven't always been in favor of the two teams facing each other. Uh, and that's why they only faced each other in these ICC events. It's been uh, a long, long time. 2012 was the last time they faced against each other uh, in some T20s, I remember, in India. Um, so, which kind of adds to the allure of India-Pakistan cricket. Uh, and it's so different because it, it goes so much beyond sport. Uh, because for a lot of Indians, and I, and I talk about this all the time, for a lot of Indians and Pakistanis, the only time they see people from the other country is when cricket's on. If you know there are players talking about players or fans or whatever, and like we saw yesterday, the only time they come together, the only time the Indian flag and the Pakistan flag will ever be seen next to each other is on at a cricket ground. So you know it goes so much beyond just sport and who's winning and who's losing, uh, because every time an India-Pakistan match happens, I think everyone wins. But at the same time, winning and losing matters more, more to these two countries than anywhere else. I mean, yes, the ashes is massive, but if you are from Pakistan and you lose to India, uh, you know, if, if you don't want to be opening the newspapers or going anywhere near social media if you're a Pakistan player today, and that's just how intense it is. Barrett, oh, just watching it last night, it just everyone looked like they were just having an unbelievable time on the TV. Let's talk about the man, Virat Kohli. That, that performance last night was outstanding. Does a performance like that make him greater than, say, Sachin Tendulkar, or, or is he already greater? Uh, no, I mean, look, I think it, it would be an unfair comparison, right? I mean, in any sport, as you guys know, comparing era is always fraught with danger. Uh, but what I will say is, I mean, there's been so much talk in the last 10 years that this is the Virat Kohli era, not just for Indian cricket, but for world cricket. Uh, and there have been doubters, especially in the last 12 months, especially in India more than anywhere else. But I think yesterday or last night, he just proved to everyone why this is the Virat Kohli era. I mean, it was his genius. You know, they call him King Kohli in Australia. Uh, and, and he showed you why. It was the return of the king. And uh, it, it was just miraculous batting. You know, the first 10 overs, how he started. And he, he's known as the master of the run chase. Uh, so he just somehow kept India in the game. 
and those two sixes of Harris Rao. I, I think uh, <laughs> I watched a lot of cricket in my life. I've covered a lot of cricket, but I think those two sixes I'll carry to my grave. They're just uh, so special. Like, and you put everything into context, not just because they were special shots. The crowd, the atmosphere, the setting, the scene, and where India was, and the fact that he had to hit those two sixes. And you saw how Hardik Pandya celebrated it. He was screaming at the other end, and India still needed quite a few runs to win, but. That's what it meant to Hardik. That's what it meant to Virat, and that's what it meant to India. A big play, also, Barrett, was also when Kohli hit one of those sixes off his legs, and he also called for the no ball as well. So he got the seven, the seven runs from that one shot. Just the the presence of mind to be able to call that. And so much going on around him as well. And we got some text here, Barrett. Uh, Toronto Rodders said the free hit rule. Uh, Kohli got bowled and did he got clean bowled? Then thre- then yeah. three buys. That's a strange rule. Now, to the listeners, that rule has has been in effect for a while now, hasn't it? It has. I mean, it's the little loophole that uh, always, I mean, there's always a loophole in any laws or any rules uh, that you put in place, right? And I think that the, the, the issue is a lot of the laws of the game uh, were put into place uh, before the free hit and all of that came along. Uh, so I don't think people considered the whole... And it's not that the first time a batter was bowled uh, off a free hit. But rarely do you get bowled and the ball goes all the way to a third man. It went so far. And, and you saw it caught everyone napping. The bowler was celebrating. The short third man just stood there and watched the ball go past him. So I think, again, presence of mind for Dinesh Karthik and Virat Kohli to um, you know, make sure that they were on top of the game, knew what the law was, what the rules were, and just like you know ran across for three. Uh, and, and yeah, I guess you know because of the magnitude of what happened last night as well, maybe that uh, that that rule or that that law might uh, be relooked. Uh, but 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 just in that moment, I think again, great game sense from both of those to make the most of it. Barrett, uh, what did you make of the Kiwis versus the Aussies? First of all, that that, that performance with the bat by the Kiwis. Who? Where, where did that come from? But also, we were talking about it earlier, the batting performance from the Australians, that was just, that was terrible. Uh, yeah, not the kind of start Australia wanted to make to their World Cup defence at home. Hey, but you know what? The Kiwis have done this before. 2016, I remember the T20 World Cup in India. Nagpur, nobody gave them a chance. Opening game, same spinners, Mitchell Santnerish, so they ran through India, really embarrassed India uh, uh, in those conditions. Then again, here, uh, coming uh, to the SCG, everybody thought Australia were favourites. They played so many games going into it. They were warmed up, they were ready, and they had a, a playing eleven they were very comfortable with. And then what happens? New Zealand just throw that first punch, and a punch which is, you know, which lands right on the spot. Right? It's one of those uh, moments, like we've seen it in boxing, where nobody gives the other boxer a chance, and he just lands one punch and knocks out. The, the, the more fancied one. And that's exactly what happened. Australia really struggled to get back up. They sort of clawed their way back with the ball. Uh, but the batting was just shoddy. I thought uh, some of the shots that were played to get out, uh, they would be very disappointed with. And, and that's what New Zealand do. You cannot make mistakes against a team like New Zealand. They'll just eat you up. Especially those guys, Tim Saudi, Trent Bolt, and the spinners. They've been around for a long, long time. And yeah, I think Australia uh, have been hum- were humbled at the SCG. And what that means is uh, they basically, their chances have slimmed down drastically. 
and now they just can't pay bank on winning these games but at least at some point even if they just beat sri lanka and england those two other games afghanistan and ireland they'll have to win by a huge margin to hope that you know can go through steve smith many believe barrett that he should stick to the odis and the and the test match format is he a player that you think could come into australia's side and and just stabilize the batting lineup if if they are falling early I think if ever you needed, uh, you know, uh, proof that you need Steve Smith in this side, uh, it was that performance. I mean, there have been a few. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong, the last uh, few weeks, but that one in particular, where uh, you know you lost Finch and Warner early, and then you were left with a lot of batters who kind of play very similarly. Andrew McDonald did say they are power hitters, but they can be proper batters as well. But who from Mitch Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stoinis, Tim David? And Matthew Wade, are you backing to you know back through the game mm. like Virat Kohli did yesterday, or like Devin Conway did that day? And that's why you need a Steve Smith. I know it's difficult to fit him in because you want some all-rounders. You can't leave Tim David out either, but you just have to find a way to find someone like Steve Smith in because I think pe- people often like you know dismiss Steve Smith, the T20 batter, as someone who's too slow. But I think he has a lot of skills and he's done it all around the world. You know, you give him the right condition, and these are prime conditions for him. He can manipulate the field. He can use the big boundaries, the big gaps, like Kohli did last night. And maybe it's the Virat Kohli innings that will, funnily enough, bring Steve Smith back into the side because I think Australia can do with him. Well, you're over in uh, Perth, as you say. You've just landed there with zero luggage. Maybe the <laughs> Pakistan players can lend you uh, some kits or something like that, uh, Barrett. And um, tomorrow night, Australia take on Sri Lanka. You can listen to that match right across SEN and also via the SEN app. You'll have uh, full coverage of that. And, of course, the big game Friday night, Australia versus England. Barrett Sundarazen, thanks, mate, for your time. We really do appreciate it on Sports Day. No worries at all. I'll just head to the shops and buy me some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. There goes Barrett Sundarazen. He'll build it back. It'll be all right. Yeah. Send, send, no. send the bill to Hutchie. You'll be, you'll be fine <laughs> there. This is Off The Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off The Bench NRL. Second gear lines it up. The 2021 yeah, Repco Bathurst 1000 winner is Chaz Mostert. Yeah, well done, Chaz Mostert. Lee Holdsworth, his first ever victory at Mount Panorama. Yeah, the 2021 uh, Bathurst race, and this man was Chaz's co-driver and picked up the the, the big race himself. Lee well, he Holdsworth. was the better driver on the day. Oh, yeah, he got it there. He did all the hard work <laughs> in the middle stages. Uh, Lee Holdsworth, thanks for joining us on Sports Day. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, I keep. I, I was going to say, I keep telling Chaz that I carried him the whole way. <laughs> well, mate, there's no <laughs> I in team, Lee. You remember that, don't you? Now, of course, yeah, that's th- right. you're from Penrite, Penrite Racing. Uh, the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500 starts tomorrow. Uh, we're on the Goldie. It's bloody hot today, mate. And I tell you what, it's going to be hot in that car. It is, it is. It's, I think there's a storm rolling in right now just to cool us all off, which will be nice. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough weekend. With, uh, yeah, I think the most laps we've ever done around here um, when we had the co-driver races was about, was about 70. And this year, being a solo event, um, 250K each day, that's about 80... I might be wrong here. 85 or 87 laps. Mm. So um, 
it's far more. The point is, it's far more than we've done before. And to to add to that, it's going to be bloody hot. So it's going to be a difficult weekend. Um, but it's better than rain. If we were here last week, we wouldn't have raced. Yeah, yeah, that's right. True. Great to be back on the Goldie too, because it missed missed the last couple of years with uh, with COVID. Lee, you got some great memories of oh, um, of racing around the Gold Coast. I love this place. Yeah, it's so good. And my best memories are when I first started coming here, when uh, there was a lot of stuff to look at hanging off the balconies. Um, <laughs> During the indie <laughs> so days. The driver's, the driver's parade. Yeah, absolutely. The driver's parade was the best part of the weekend. Oh. You get a sore neck looking up at all the buildings. Well, I hate – now, don't be <laughs> but, distracted, but Woogie, Jason, yeah. our co-host here, he's, he's, uh, he's going to be on one of the balconies and he has threatened to go – Topless. Which building, Woog? So that it's the, we can uh, have a look. Oh, um, it's the Golden Gate one. You know the Golden Gate? I reckon I do. Is it on the back chicane? Uh, so it's at the bottom. It's the bottom end of the uh, the straights. So just as you go around okay, the back, yeah. opposite the Marriott. Oh right. Okay. Well, just be careful because if you if it's uh, if it's too rude. You'll get arrested if you have your shirt off and, and you don't look any good. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I've got You've a good set, so yeah, yeah. No, no but yeah. mate, Nigel Mansell, <laughs> your, your memories of him in in the Indy cars back yeah. in the nineties, man. How good was it back then? Oh, I I was coming here in um, I think my first year was about eighty seven or eighty eight uh, when I was only about five years old and. Um, yeah, we used to sit up there. It was the old Gold Coast International. Now it's the QT, which is what yep. I'm saying this weekend. So I've got some great memories watching from up on the balcony and seeing Nigel go round in the Kmart car. Um, I just uh, there was such good memories back then, and um, and and really, this place has been one of the the greatest places for, to to come and race for a long, long time. And um, and having those those old memories here makes it even more special for me. So um, I. Nigel was a bit of a an icon for me. I used to have a little uh, helmet badge on my race suit in my for my go karting, and I'd have his, I'd have that little Nigel Mansell helmet on my on my race suit, uh, which inspired me to um, try and get to where he was. Yeah. Didn't quite get there, but got uh, got to race around here anyway. Uh, I don't want to get too technical on the racing, and this will be this could possibly be well. This will be your last Gold Coast Five Hundred. Now it's not a a teams event it's you know you're doing the driving yourself but is it a really tough street circuit to drive around or, or is it or do you enjoy it? it it well i enjoy it i think i think all of us um as race drivers we we enjoy the the hard ones the more challenging ones the street circuits are generally the the most challenging and uh you know the the heat and all that extra stuff that makes it more challenging just adds to um, the reward that you get at the end of it if you do well. But it's uh, it, it's a fantastic track. It's so good to drive, so physically demanding. The kerbs are so hard on the car. Um, so, you know, we, we put our cars through a lot around here and you're up on two wheels for half the lap, um, bouncing off the kerbs. And then if you're lucky enough, uh, lucky enough not to hit a fence on the way out of the uh, the chicane, um, you, you, you come out pretty happy. But... Yeah, it's, a, it's an exhausting place. And really, there's not actually a, a, a proper straight around here. You're always turning and plugging gears. And, um, yeah, the, the adrenaline's going. We'll be, we'll be well up in heart rate for the whole race for up over two hours. So it's, um, it's going to be brutal. Is your car, the, the Mustang, suited to, to the track, best suited to it? Or? Yeah, look, oh, oh, I hate predicting things before the weekend, but... 
I didn't think we were going to go too well at Bathurst, but it wasn't too bad. We started off the front row there. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think on paper our cars do suit this track. Um, the the Penrite racing cars are generally good on uh, on the on the uh, on the soft tyre. Plus, on these street circuits, the ninety degree type corners, um, it gets its turn done nice and early, and then you know we'll just have to focus on getting good power down. Um, this track has degraded quite a bit. You see the surface. We just did our track walk, and um, the surface is breaking up a little bit. It's very abrasive. Um, so that's going to be the challenge, I think. But I, I think our cars will like it. Um, and around here, it's really you know 90% of your weekend is achieved. Uh, you get your success through where you qualify because it's a hard, it's a very hard track to um, to make up ground and, and pass other cars on to so tight. So bit of a, a follow-the-leader type circuit unless there's a mistake in the race. Mm. Going to be uh, interesting. Now, you, you've decided to pull up stumps as a full-time driver after uh, over 20 years at, at the top level. What, what, what brought that on? How did the decision, you know, how did you decide? Was there a light bulb moment when you went, hey, you know, that's it. I finally uh, realised the end is in sight. Well, I think if I didn't have – I had a year off last year uh, of full-time driving where – um, not not out of my own uh, choice, but at the end of 2020, my my career came to an abrupt end when I had a contract to go again last year, and um, in some ways it was the best thing that happened to me because I, I wasn't prepared for life outside of motorsport or after motorsport. Um, so I sat on the sidelines um, looking for a, another career path and uh, and found myself with a, a great opportunity in commercial real estate. So I'm, I'm now working part-time in CBRE commercial real estate and I'll be full-time with that next year. So I didn't want to pass up that opportunity to, you know, um, that my future is not in supercar racing. You can't do it forever. Um, I had another opportunity to go again next year full-time uh, in supercars, but I, um, I opted against it just because, you know, I, I want to come back. I want to have plenty of years ahead of me where I can get back into one of the best teams and, and have another shot at winning Bathurst. And, um, yeah, I think I've put myself in the best position to do that for the next few years. So I'm really happy with my decision and uh, and also enjoying that career outside of motorsport. Yeah, um, that's it was good. As, as hard as it was to sit on the sidelines last year. Everything happens for a reason, hey, Lee. And, and Badge, I mean, you played professional rugby Absolutely. league at the highest level. It must be hard when you're a, a sports person uh, going, geez, what am I going to do after... After hard. I retire, Always. you know, what, what am I, what am I going to do? You know, so yeah, well done. Sound like you got that yeah, sorted out. It, it is good, and yeah, I think for sportsmen, like you said, it's very hard to know what to do afterwards because you put so much into it. Um, you know, you fully commit to it. You you sacrifice everything, and if you don't, you 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 won't be as successful as you know as you need to be in the sport. So. Um, whilst I've got something distracting me on the outside, I think it's only fair to you know to to hand it over to another young bloke to have a go. Mm. Where, where are you selling commercial real estate, mate? We might need a few little tips there. Woogie's got <laughs> lots of spare cash. Yeah, badge, badges, <laughs> what are you after? Yeah, badges, what are you after? Well, Anything in Australia? What do you got? Anywhere in Australia? <laughs> Narrow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah it's a it's a national national based job. So oh wow. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm just working in automotive and and uh, petroleum at the moment, so service stations and 
if you need a car dealership, come see me. Actually, <laughs> there is something. I've got an idea. Is Badger's got about Badger's got about ten million bucks in his ashtray in his car. So I want to. Uh, we should put Does that he? to good. Got <laughs> you know an about idea. that? Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. Hey, uh, mate. So uh, yours? I know where you spend that. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, God, you're sounding like a real estate agent already, yeah, yeah. Lee. Geez, calm down. Hey. Oh ba- well, yeah. Backup driver plans for next year. What are you, you going to be the Dan Ricardo of supercars? Uh, I I will come back as a as a as an endurance driver next year. So um, similar to what I did last year, I'll put myself in one of the best teams and um, and get back out. You know, one of the best drivers as well, and and get back out there and try and win that Peter Brock Trophy like yeah, we nice. did last year. So um, you know, that's the if if you can. I'd rather sit on the sidelines for a whole year, to be honest, if I can go out and win that one. Oh, <laughs> surely plenty of it feel the same. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the one that we all try to achieve in our careers, and I've been fortunate enough to do it now once, um, but I would love to do it again. Lee, before we let you go, you've driven all sorts of cars over your great career. What's your favourite? Uh, in terms of a supercar, mm. I reckon my favourite would have been last year's Bathurst winner. Um, that car was on song all week, so that was an absolute pleasure to drive. Uh, I think in terms of a race car itself, probably the um, the Audi R8 that we race at Bathurst every year is a pretty cool car in the GT series. Yeah, do that with Mark Sini and and Dean Fiore and. Um, those things are just an absolute weapon. They're, they're, they're just 100% um, reliant on downforce. So the faster you go, the more grip you got, similar to well, nowhere near what Formula One is, but a similar sort of um, philosophy. So, yeah, pretty cool to drive those things. Um, but, yeah, the supercar, definitely last year. What was car. your first car? Young bloke. First car oh, on the road? Yep. Um, I had a VK Commodore, actually. What? I had a five-litre clay. Yeah, and I couldn't stop. If I stopped at the traffic lights, it'd overheat. (laughs) 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 On L plates, I don't think they can drive them anymore, can they? Back street. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I was lucky back then. (laughs) Good stuff, mate. Hey, listen, good luck to you and Penrite Racing uh, over the weekend. The Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500 starts tomorrow. Look for me, mate, on the balcony of uh, the. uh, the, Can't wait. Yeah, maybe good. I'll be the bloke with the hair on the front and the back. Oh, right. So I'll be there. And I'll hold up the good side. Yeah, it'd be great. Mate, Lee Holdsworth, terrific oh, career. Can't Con- wait. Congratulations on everything you've achieved and good luck this weekend. Thanks very much, guys. Great to speak to you and I'll see you on your balcony. This is Off the Bench NRL. We'll be back soon. Welcome back. This is Off the Bench NRL. Matty Burton. Uh, Badge wants to know if he'll become the next million-dollar-a-season player. Why is this, Badge? Well, because he is uh, he's entering the final year of his contract. If they don't tie him up longer term, the doggies, he can start negotiating as of next week, 1st of November, so that's, isn't it? It is, so yeah. a lot of players in that in that predicament and saying, hey, um, you probably don't want to get into a bidding war. I reckon behind the scenes they'd be uh, pushing hard to get him. Apparently at the moment I think his contract's is heading towards seven fifty a year. What's he worth? Uh, I don't think he's a million a dollar player play, yet. Playmaker. I mean, yeah, he's. he's but I suppose potentially, his, his go-to play is a 
is his kicking game, his, his high kicking game. You've got to have, you've got have more N- than that. He could get a lot more in the NFL. I've got no doubt at the age of 32 when he decides to maybe move on from rugby league, that's his next chapter mm. for the next 10 years. Um, it's all about hang time in the NFL. Sorry, Adrian. Uh, but in saying that, uh, Matty Burton's got a, he's got a, got a couple more strings to his bow that he's got to get into his game, and it's got to be a lot more consistent, most notably his running game. When he's in the centres, in that Penrith side, his running game was outstanding. He's most noted as a 5'8", a good running 5'8". I think he's tried to depend on his kicking game Not a little as much bit too much. Five eight, is and he's playing in a side that's still developing as well. So um, is he a million-dollar player yet? No. Would he be in the next three years? Remains to be seen. But he's he's got to show a lot more in that position that he's signed at for the Bulldogs to start talking about seven figures without a doubt. Good news for Ruben Cotter. He's passed his test and he will line up. Uh, for his second time for the Kangaroos against Italy this week. Yeah, that was a bad. He got a bad concussion badge um, on contact. He was out before he even hit the ground. So yeah, missed the uh, the second game against Scotland, but um, but cleared for the for this game here. So yeah, that's a good story, Ruben Cotter, isn't it? You know, his story. How's Italy going? Italy. Uh, I, I tell you, who's going okay is Lebanon. Michael Chica is their coach. Oh, good. Yeah, Mitchell Moses been players, playing well. Yeah, yeah it's it's actually. They've uh, played a really interesting style of rugby league. Mm. It's a really good, it's a good story, isn't it, Ruben Cotter? We've had him on the show, and he's a real throwback. Probably playing in the wrong era, to be quite honest. Mm. Um, but for him to to come back from three knee reconstructions and just try and get his get back into the game through the the Queensland Cup, the Host Plus Cup, and now to be playing for Australia, yeah, it's a, it's a really great it's a great story for people who, you know, who feel as though that their time is done in the game. You, mm. re- you reckon the Knights will get a deal done with uh, Manly to get Ruben no. Garrick to Manly Newcastle be, next year? Manly would be silly to let Ruben Garrick go. He's the top point. He's a top point scorer. Did a great job filling in at fullback too, didn't he? And they they want him at fullback Newcastle so they can put Kalen Ponga to five eighth. Yeah, but to have Char- to have uh, Charlie Saab, to have uh, Jason Saab on one wing and Ruben Garrick on the other with Tommy Trebojevic back, and then you've got. Um, Dali Cherry Evans, and you've got Jake Trebojevic, and you've got uh, Ola Kawatu. Straight away, you're, you're looking at a top eight side. Kolo, Kolo, Tola. Yep. I, I hate to say it too. There's no guarantees Tommy Trebojevic is going to play a full season. He's just he's just had a bad run, and it could continue. And Ruben Garrick, I think, is their best option to put back at full. Absolutely. When he's not there. So mm. I'll be surprised if they let him go. Time for a racing update for Racing Queensland. Queensland is your place to race this year. Yeah, it certainly is. Another big weekend of racing. Of course, a lot of stuff going on down south with the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Uh, Chris Nelson joining us. Nelson, uh, can we expect to see any Queenslanders in action uh, Saturday? Jase, uh, Badge, good to speak to you again, Badge. It's been a while. Glad hope to be you back, enjoyed mate. your uh, Yeah, hope now, you enjoyed your, uh, your break. All that, that cl- gammy weather when I was away, was there any racing? I just asked him was. a question. Now I you know. I've just out. got to answer that. I've just got to answer Jace's question first, no, then we'll get on to that. You can go whichever order you want. <laughs> now, um, you speak of uh, Flemington and Rose Hill on Saturday, most massive meetings. Palaya Pan and Natuno will go around at uh, Flemington. And don't forget, guys, Gypsy Goddess, who's the, uh, the filly, of course, that won the Oaks, now a mayor, yeah. uh, in, uh, at Eagle Farm in the winter or during the winter carnival, goes around first up in the $10 million Golden Eagle at Rose Hill on Saturday. So just the one run this prep, that's all. They've just moulded her whole campaign around this one start. Righto. And our answer two? 
<laughs> Answer two was, yeah, the weather's been a bit iffy, but I think we had one meeting on the poly track and we might have missed the odd one here and there, but hasn't been too bad. We've been racing a lot at Eagle Farm. And as you know, it's a waterproof track, yes. so it doesn't matter. And Gold Coast and Eagle Farm are looking good uh, this weekend. Yeah. yeah, Gold Coast is racing this weekend. So is uh, Bow Desert, pretty close to each other. So that's interesting. I haven't seen that before. Uh, Eagle Farm is our main meeting. Uh, we also race at uh, Toowoomba in the Twilight Zone. And we race at Cairns this Sunday, something a little bit different. We don't race at the Sunshine Coast on Sunday. Oh, I've got because a we've got for a meeting Cairns there. Too. Yeah, we've got Cairns. a meeting there on Tuesday. As you know, there's a lot of meetings coming up on Tuesday. It's a fairly big day around the world. Uh, I've got, what's the tip? Well, don't, don't swim, swim in at the beaches. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. I've actually got a uh, Cairns race one, horse one. It is mm. called uh, Actories. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> Overwhelming what do you excitement think, Nelson? there from your team, Woogie. Well, well, well Nelson I, can't pick a winner if, if he tripped over one. I pick. I, I won't even add. I, I will not bite to that comment. <laughs> I will not. I'll just move on. It's only had one so race. I haven't. I haven't, uh, I haven't done the form for Cairns yet. It's only had one race and it came second. So they're, well, they're you expecting go. good things. There Where you did go. you get that tip from, Jase? Oh, just some people in the know. You know he's making it up when he goes race one number one. No, well, no, it's from a mate <laughs> a of mine. Bit from more. a mate of mine who lives seven, in number seven. It's a mate of mine, Mark, who lives in Cairns, sent oh. me the tip today. Well, right. So that. there we go. Right, let's move on. Race seven, number seven. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> race eight, number eight. Yeah. Right, yeah. All right, guys, you finished? Let's get into uh, the tips let's for the weekend. Let's get some real tips. Yes. All right, here we go. Race two at Eagle Farm, number five, Zava Boom for Tony Gollum. Very mate. good run first up at Ipswich. Ran home very strongly. 1,200 metres looks ideal. Jimmy Orman's on from a good gate. So Zava Boom, I think, is the good thing of the day. Race two, number five. And I'll throw one in here at a bit of value. Race four, number 10, Port. Morant. You'll get double figures about this one. Now, down the bottom, only carries 52 kilos. Hasn't run for nearly a month, but it hadn't had a run uh, for something like 50 days or two runs in 50 days leading into the last start where it was going up 600 metres and did a really good job. So I think with that little bit of added fitness at double figures, Port Morant can run a race, race four, number 10. But as I said, I do think the good thing of the day... Race two, number five. Maybe put him in a little bit of a multi-batch. You know I'll be all over that uh, that boom horse, mate. You know that. Well, yeah. Don't forget Chinny Boom. Race seven, number four. Four starts, four wins. Cumulative margin of 19.9 lengths. Jeez. She's pretty good. Wow. Okay. Yeah, she's pretty good. I might do the boom boom uh, this weekend then at Eagle Farm. So, all right, mate. Thank you for those. Uh, what's the bird in the background uh, tipping this weekend? Have you, have you, got, a uh, you got a parrot on your shoulder? <laughs> No, I live in an area that's got a lot of trees and uh, they wake me up every morning, the kookaburras or the birds, and, yeah, they, uh, you sort of get used to them, but when you don't hear them, as you guys obviously don't that often, you think it's something odd, but, yeah, they nice. make a bit of noise. And we bit love of that you put your slingshot away just for an hour across. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you got rid of any squealing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Air rifle. <laughs> no, no, he's joking. I'm joking. He's joking. You saved that for the bin chickens. <laughs> he's, no, you're joking about that too. Uh, Queens, <laughs> Queensland is racing. The action continues this week across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. The birds are going off in the background, Batch. They can hear you. And I can hear the RSPCA <laughs> sirens coming too. <laughs> Thanks, Nelson. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. This is Off the Bench NRL. We'll be back soon.